Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Twitter Spaces about life and social change in Central Asia. My name is Bermet Talant. I'm a journalist from Kyrgyzstan, and this conversation is hosted by Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. RFERL has more than 200 journalists from Central Asia and provides news in all five local languages, as well as Russian. It also offers in-depth coverage of the region to English-speaking audiences. Today we're talking about Turkmenistan, where things don't seem to change, and if they do, it's not for the better. Throughout its entire post-Soviet history, the country has been ruled by eccentric dictators. It has long been at the bottom of international rankings on press freedom and civil liberties. Most of the population scrapes by, even though the state's wealth comes from gas and oil. Corruption is rife, and the government controls most aspects of life. The new president, Serdar Berdimuhamedov, took over in March from his father, Gurbanguly, who had ruled for over 15 years. And he seems determined to continue his father's repressive course. How do ordinary citizens respond and adapt to deteriorating living standards? And how do they view the growing number of restrictions? I invited two Turkmen journalists to talk to us today. Guzel Hudayberdiva um, is a reporter with RFERL's Turkmen service. It's the only international Turkmen language media reporting from inside the country. And Ruslan Metiv is an investigative reporter for the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project and an editor of Turkmen.news, one of very few independent news sources about Turkmenistan. Before we continue, if you have a question or a comment, you can send a direct message to at RFERL or reply to a tweet pinned in the spaces. Or a third way, you can indicate that you want to speak by pressing the button in Twitter spaces on your mobile app. Just make sure your mic is working. Ruslan, what's been happening inside Turkmenistan in the past two years since the start of the coronavirus pandemic? Um, hello, everybody. My pleasure to be speaking here today. Uh, well, the developments, what's been happening in the past two years, actually very many things. Uh, first of all, the economic state of the population has worsened significantly. As you rightly mentioned, uh, the, the ordinary people have to line up uh, in front of grocery stores to get uh, their rations. And uh, they have been decreasing every, I don't know, half a year, every six months uh, in different regions. So the last uh, food ration was uh, uh, something like one chicken leg per family per month, which is, uh, of course, uh, not enough for, you know, families where, for Turkmen families that are usually large. Uh, or we're talking about, for example, half a kilogram of sugar per family per month or the same amount of uh, vegetable oil. So these things have uh, the, these things have emerged in the past two years. Also, the fact that Turkmenistan keeps its borders uh, shut for more than two years already uh, is also playing a huge negative role in the well-being of uh, ordinary people because uh, in Turkmenistan, virtually every family has somebody and often not only just one member of the family who works overseas and uh, this way uh, supports uh, those who remain in Turkmenistan. Mm -hmm. uh, in the past two years, they have 
uh, nobody could leave. Those people who returned right before the pandemic to change their passports, renew their passports, or for any other reason, they could not travel back. Uh, similarly, those who left the country in Tur uh, for Turkey or Northern Cyprus, another very popular destination of Turkmen labor migrants, they could not come visit their families, send money, uh, you know, bring stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, on the on the grassroots level, the past two years have been well, if not if not um, um, how to say it, killing then very mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. So Turkmenistan suspended all international flights very early in the pandemic. It was on the last day of January 2020, I believe, even before most of the countries in the world, even though the officials claimed that the country was COVID-free. And border closures, as you said, affected many people, and they particularly affected people who required medical treatment overseas. And I know that you reported a lot um, on that, could you tell us uh, what was the what, what was the situation with people who needed to go abroad uh, for treatment? Uh, yes, that was a big issue and still is a big issue. Uh, we indeed reported uh, a lot about it. Uh, some people, some cases which we raised, uh, unfortunately, uh, weren't a happy end story. Uh, one uh, young guy with uh, cancer from uh, Turkmenistan's uh, southern region, Mari, uh, died because uh, it was too late. Uh, you know, we reported about it. The medical authorities, healthcare authorities, and migration officials started to take action. They even wanted to uh, send a helicopter and take him uh, to Iran for this crucial treatment, but they were too late. Mm -hmm. uh, in some of the cases, there were happy ends. Like very recently this year, a young lady managed managed uh, to leave the country for Turkey. In fact, with her entire family. Uh, she had uh, she had problems with uh, bone uh, bone marrow, and uh, with thanks uh, to reporting, she managed to leave. Mm -hmm. But um, all of these, even uh, international travel for health reasons, was uh, controlled by a Turkmenistan special or extraordinary commission to fight against infectious diseases. Uh, to get on that list of allowed passengers or citizens to travel, one had to go through medical commission uh, locally, which would uh, sign a resolution that uh, this particular illness is not or cannot be treated in Turkmenistan. And uh, the commission thinks that the patient should be allowed to get treatment overseas. With that resolution, the person had to go to the migration office get uh, all paperwork fixed and then finally that extraordinary commission would uh, make a final decision yes Terrible. and uh, in in every single case they highlight both like the this local medical commission and the extraordinary commission they highlight that treatment overseas as well as as all uh, travel costs are uh, on that patient or on on his family or her mm -hmm. family so the government does not even um, uh, does not even convert uh, Turkmen manats into hard currency. Uh, as many of our listeners probably know, there are two uh, currency rates in Turkmenistan, the official rate, 
which is uh, 3.5 manats for a dollar and the black market rate which is 20 manats roughly 20 manats for a dollar so previously such patients they could take their manats to the bank and get dollars at the bank rate at the official rate now uh, in in these pandemic years they were even deprived from that so they had to go to the black market rate and spend much more uh, manats uh, to get dollars. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I read that in many cases, the patients could not even choose their destination. The officials would decide where they could fly for treatment, right? And some people died waiting for permit to leave. Uh, yes, as I mentioned, some people died indeed. And it's only one case that, that we uh, reported about. God knows how many more there were uh, you know, unknown cases. But uh, regarding uh, particular countries, it is actually up to the family to find uh, the clinic or the right doctors anywhere in the world, basically. It could also be India, it could also be Turkey, Iran, mm-hmm. any country in the world, even Israel and uh, Western uh, European countries. As long as you have the money, as long as you can prove that this clinic is ready to take you and has the all, all the capacities and capabilities of uh, oh. you know, mm-hmm. fixing your health problem. Okay. Is there any sign that these border restrictions might be relaxed anytime soon? Well, these signs are already uh, visible uh, since uh, the 31st of May. uh, Turkmenistan has resumed its uh, regular flights to uh, several countries. Well, it's actually two countries at this very moment. So it's the United Arab Emirates, uh, the city of Dubai, and uh, the Russian city of Kazan. Mm-hmm. These are only the only two destinations that uh, Turkmenistan said, okay, we are resuming regular passenger flights there. They were discussing also resuming flights to Frankfurt in Germany, but at the last moment they canceled it. And sources say that it's because of that, um, what is it, uh, monkey disease, this new, this new yes. thing that, uh, that is uh, yeah, all around the world almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, speaking about the migration and leaving Turkmenistan, the migration out of the country has w- was massive before the pandemic. And in 2019, RFERL's Turkmen Service reported that nearly 1.9 million people left the country permanently in 10 years between 2008-2018. How difficult was it to leave Turkmenistan, let's go to work overseas or to study? Yeah, in the past... Uh, yeah, we're talking before say... the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the past uh, six, seven years, traveling overseas uh, has become much more difficult than it was before. Uh, the Turkmen immigration uh, officials could take any passenger, any person uh, off the plane, and uh, simply send him back home say by saying that you're not allowed to travel without giving any reason, without explaining why this person is banned uh, from traveling. Uh, 
corruption in the in the in this uh, migration office of Turkmenistan is enormous and in the years of pandemic it has even increased now we receive reports from sources that even those Turkmen citizens who hold immigration visas to the U United States like let's say they won a green card or uh, you know want to unite with their families who live already in, in the United States so they sold all of their uh, properties in Turkmenistan, houses, cars, whatever they had, you know, they uh, left their jobs, they dropped out of schools. Uh, when they turn to the migration office and say, hey, look here, I have every reason to leave this country, nothing is holding me here anymore. The officials at the migration services demand bribes, which start uh, from $4,000 up until $10,000, especially from people who want to leave uh, for good to the United States, for example. And the reason they say, well, you are going to America, you know, uh, you will earn that money back within no time. So if you want to leave now before your visa expires, be kind to pay. And the people have to pay because... Otherwise, you know, we reported last year that many green card uh, holders could not leave this way, uh, Turkmenistan, and their visas were expired, basically. They mm -hmm. have to start all over again to, uh, you know, and God knows if they have luck this time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the food shortages, um, they did not start during the pandemic. They started years ago. What caused the food crisis? Uh, the food shortage started indeed years ago, a few years before the pandemic. Uh, the main reason, as I mentioned already, is the fact that Turkmenistan has two currencies. And another reason is that it is very centralized. So um, the supply of staples is uh, overseen by the government, by the trade ministry, by various departments within the trade ministry. And uh, Turkmenistan, from the one hand, wants to maintain, uh, you know, the image of a social country where things are subsidized, uh, like in the Niazov times, you know, we also had two currencies back then, but we never had shortage of, uh, of food. Yes, in the beginning of the independence, like in early 1990s, we did have shortage, but that was simply because, you know, the big country collapsed uh, like overnight and the Turkmen, the new Turkmen leadership uh, simply did not know how to manage things independently without looking at uh, the Kremlin. Uh, but within like a few years, things were fixed. Yes, Turkmenistan started to produce its own wheat. Uh, if that was not enough, uh, Turkmenbashi was so generous to buy wheat from Kazakhstan or from Russia. Like the second half of 1990s and up until his death, basically, Turkmenistan never had problems with food supply. Uh, people knew that, you know, they don't have to stock flour or sugar simply because they knew that tomorrow the same amount at the same price will be sold uh, in the bazaars or in, in state uh, grocery uh, shops. This security, feeling of security is not here anymore. Uh, sh the, the 
uh, under Birda Muhammadov, like uh, the food supply start, uh, the shortage of food supply started somewhere in uh, 2017 ish, 2016 ish, mm-hmm. uh, simply because uh, it was so centralized. And, um, you know, sometimes supplies failed simply. Mm-hmm. The third reason, first I said it was uh, the black market rate and the official rate. Second, uh, the centralization of this entire process. And three, it's nepotism. Mm-hmm. We, with OCCRP, uh, released the first investigation. It was uh, about uh, how the nephew of Gurbanguly Birda Muhammadov received a major state uh, contract to supply those basic uh, staples. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're an ordinary businessman in Turkmenistan, it's really hard to get that piece of pie. Uh, and we're talking about large amounts of money. It's millions of dollars. Millions of dollars in Turkmenistan are not given just to anybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is the third problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who have who don't have experience or who never had experience bringing stuff to Turkmenistan, especially, you know, things like, uh, I don't know, vegetable oil or butter. I mean, how, even if you have all those millions, how would you quickly, you know, uh, think about logistics, thinking, think about bringing stuff to Turkmenistan. So it's, you know, it's a complex of problems. It's not just, you know, Okay, we have a problem, and that's the the cause of that problem. No, it's it's a multifaceted uh, mm-hmm. problem. Yes, um, I would like to get back to you a little bit later, Gazelle. Um, so the new successor president has been in power for less than three months, and he has already imposed new restrictions on women. Could you tell us about these restrictions? Uh, hello to everyone. Um, yeah, I, I also want to stress that Turkmen uh, people, population of Turkmenistan, have been facing for huge uh, and uh, um, challenging problems for many years, as food shortage and, and everything. And um, what people expected from new president, we didn't expect a lot, uh, but people expected that at least for a few months, um, people will have enough food uh, and they will have more or less uh, normal conditions for life or something like this. But uh, nothing serious, uh, seriously changed in Turkmenistan. Uh, in opposite, uh, people uh, faced uh, new and weird uh, restrictions and regulations. Um, uh, uh, it's uh, it's uh, regarding um, women's appearance and behaviors. Uh, probably you read something about this or you heard uh, something about this, but uh, it's it's um, difficult and complicated to explain what's going on now in Turkmenistan. Yeah, could you tell uh, us about but, some of those restrictions? So women are yeah, basically and, not yeah, allowed to wear uh, tight clothes, right? What else? Yeah, yes, yes. So just uh, uh, just uh, just imagine that uh, you uh, you want to um, you want to use. Uh, um, in, in your daily life, you just uh, need uh, some uh, some services which you uh, used to enjoy um, in your daily life, and you go to fix your hair or um, to make manicure, to uh, to dye your hair, and you go, and there is no 
such services anymore because uh, every facility is closed and nobody um, announced about this and nobody explained why, but you, do, you cannot do this. Also, you go to the street and police can stop you uh, saying that uh, your um, appearance is not... Uh, is not normal and nobody can explain what uh, norm is and that your lips are bigger than someone wants or something like this and people don't understand what's going on and then uh, they realize that uh, all um, all uh, things um, uh, all things all um, cosmetic things banned and restricted in the country but mm -hmm. nobody uh, nobody explained you uh, when it started, why it started, and what's the reason of this. And people start to realize what's going on, and then they feel that it's not okay. But anyway, anyway, uh, they have to comply all restrictions and all demands of the um, officials. Otherwise, they will be fined, mm -hmm. or they will lose their uh, working place, or um uh, they will lose their money or something like this and um uh, even arrested so mm -hmm. this is the conditions which uh, ordinary people in turkmenistan face nowadays in turkmenistan and then they um and uh, you can do nothing with that because so no regulations nobody will show you um any restrictions written on the paper and everything is just every restrictions uh, mm -hmm. um yeah, well, they will just say that the uh, the uh, that uh, comes from uh, from the above, you know, and nothing else. Yeah, it seems that Turkmenistan is um, like in Turkmenistan, the practice of this um, kind of non-official bans. Um, yes, is exactly, very exactly. common. And, like there are no official yeah. decrees, and people kind of learn about these new rules um, from uh, people you know, who enforce this... them. Yeah, this is this is um, uh, uh, this is connecting with every uh, piece of daily life in Turkmenistan. Even if you want to buy some bread, you have to go, and they will give you only two or three pieces, and you mm -hmm. cannot buy more. And nobody can explain why. So, this so the is, daily um, rations are also kind of you find out about the changes to daily rations on food when you go to yeah, get those rations. Everything. Okay. Yes, mm -hmm. everything. You cannot so, you cannot enjoy your uh, freedom of movement in the country. Also, uh, there is no um, official bans or regulations uh, which restrict you to move um, uh, in the country. But anyway, you cannot because they, mm -hmm. you will come uh, to have uh, some permission and they will say that you cannot. And they will not explain you why. So this, I think, yeah, this is this is weird, but this is the reality of Turkmenistan. Mm -hmm. So, in addition to those um, restrictions on cosmetic procedures and closing, and basically not allowing women to dye their hair or um, undergo beauty procedures like wearing eyelash extensions or lip fillers. Um, in April this year, Turkmen women were deprived of the right to abortion, effectively. Um, and the government restricted access to abortion from 12 weeks to, to just five weeks. And uh, most women usually don't know that they're pregnant at such an early stage. In your conversations with women, how do they feel about all these new restrictions on their life? I, I want to mention that uh, 
uh, this law, uh, I think it was signed a couple of years ago, but um, now they uh, just uh, they made uh, they made it uh, effective, and uh, yeah, this is um, um, I uh, it's like. Um, uh, this, this is a very serious problem, and I think that uh, Turkmen government probably will consider and will, they will they will review this uh, law. They have to because otherwise it will it will open um, a way for criminal abortion and everything. Because we we had we had this uh, in Soviet time, and uh, I don't think that uh, nowadays uh, Turkmen government or any government can. Uh, can uh, allow and they will they will use uh, this uh, this law. It it it's just uh, a time will show. But in Turkmen society, yeah, Turkmen government. Uh, in one hand, probably uh, it um, connected with uh, with the demographic uh, crisis in Turkmenistan. Uh, as you mentioned, that uh, millions of people uh, left Turkmenistan during past two twelve years, and uh, also death rate is huge in Turkmenistan and uh, it's demographic crisis. So probably a good Turkmen government uh, tries to solve this problem uh, with, with such uh, um, not effective law because yeah, the people will try to find a way how to solve this problem. Uh, and how do, time, how do women, the... how do women you interview for your reports, how do they react? What do they think about uh, this new rules? It's uh, no, it, it, they are they, they not welcome this new role. Uh, but in Turkmen society, women so oppressed by society, by, by family, by everyone. Uh, and um, they have a uh, huge responsibility and few rights. So that's why um, they just feel that uh, they have no choice. And um, this is this is this is very um very 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 hard situation for women mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to guess it's hard to say what they are supposed to do and that what how they will resolve this problem just a quick reminder that if you'd like to ask a question or if you have a comment you can send a direct message to at rfeRL or reply to a tweet pinned in the spaces or you can press the button in Twitter Spaces on your mobile app and we'll bring you in. Um, Ruslan and Gozel, the question, I guess, to both of you, um, and it is the question that many outsiders are asking, is how long can this last and what could be the last straw for people's patients? Uh, I answered this very question yesterday uh, with an at an interview with uh, Ilya Varlamov, prominent Russian journalist who visited the Netherlands, and I said that uh, in uh, total dictatorships, uh, things can go can be so unpredictable. Today, if you look, if you watch Turkmen state media, for example, it's all uh, calm, it's all beautiful and rosy. It can literally change tomorrow and uh, the triggers could be anything it could be you know those um, restrictions on uh, cars of any color uh, other than white it could be again restrictions on overseas travel anything um, that is the problem of total dictatorship you know uh, even though the 
on the surface, it seems to be a stably run uh, government and state inside from if you look inside it, it it's uh, far from that mm-hmm. it's very far from that so the boiling point could be anything basically nobody expected that uh, in the summer of 2020 dozens of turkmen citizens uh, abroad in turkey in northern cyprus in the us would actually march the streets and uh, uh, you know scream uh, anti-government, anti-president uh, things like Gurban Gulibirdi Muhammadov, we don't want you anymore. We're we, we're fed up with you, and uh, some of those people uh, never hid their faces. You know, some mm-hmm. wore face masks, yes, for security reasons or for health reasons. Uh, some wore uh, sunglasses and hats, but uh, the past two years have shown that there are activists outside who cannot cope with these things. Some of them have become already so prominent that they uh, openly give interviews to both Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, to Turkmen News, to other media outlets. And uh, yeah, if they continue this way, if it continues this way, uh, you know, the number of supporters, the number of followers of, of these activists would simply continue to grow. And we see also movements inside Turkmenistan. There have been both um, leaflets, anti-government leaflets in Turkmenistan. When the devastating hurricane hit the country in uh, 2020 in April, two regions out of five uh, suffered significantly. Tens of thousands of families lost their uh, homes because it was simply they were simply blown away by the wind, you know. Uh, in the in the city of Turkmenabad, on, on in the east of Turkmenistan, hundreds of people went out to protest. They even blocked one of the central roads in 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 the town. Uh, and uh, demanded for both from the central government and from the local government that they restore gas supply, electricity supply, and water supply. It was uh, April twenty uh, seventh of April, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. when the hurricane hit. It was already very warm in 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 the country. Yeah, and people for days, for weeks, they were left without gas supply and uh, water supply. So. This attitude of of the central government, as if nothing happens, and by the way, uh, even there were, even though there were human casualties uh, in the you know in the aftermath of that hurricane, the government did not say a single word, mm. did not provide any help to those who suffered. So this attitude, this negligence. This, you know, closing eyes on uh, very visible things might get, you know, might uh, push the people into the streets. And as I said, I'll repeat once again, in in such total dictatorships, you never know uh, how it's going to end up. Today, it's all beautiful and fine. It seems tomorrow it can be upside down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gazelle, do you have any thoughts? I, yeah, I, I think uh, I think Turkmen government uh, is trying uh, Turkmen people's um, tolerance uh, just hardly, and uh, yeah, it, well, it's difficult to guess how it can um, 
end up but uh but it's um yeah but but people i think um i think people Turkmen people they are very tolerant it's it's true and they are waiting and they will um uh they will uh find the way how to survive and how to understand and how to how, how to, to adapt. find the way yeah to adapt but anyway uh Turkmen government it's um like testing them you know and uh, probably uh they don't understand that um that uh people one day people just uh, uh will able to say no and then and then we can see what will go in oh well let's hope this day comes soon thanks to our guests and listeners for joining this twitter spaces today and to rfrl for hosting it and if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics you can dm me or rfrl um thank you and have a good day thank you